Welcome into, I guess we can call this an emergency podcast. I'm just going to call it Alana Inquire After Dark. Because uh, Ryan Easterling <laughs> and I perfect. are uh, doing a podcast here at 9.16 p.m. And I knew it would be a busy week. And uh, my wife is going out of town later this week for, for family things. Um, so I'm hoping Illinois announces their defense coordinator hire uh, quickly uh, so we can do it this week. Um, but uh, we do have some names. I mean, i got to be honest with you, trying to figure out and, and pry names out of people uh, has been difficult for Illinois, whether it's the coaching search uh, for Josh Whitman or the assistant search uh, for Brett Bielma. So kudos to Illinois for that. But Football Scoop is, is great at this. Uh, they're tied in with agents. They're tied in with a lot of people in the industry and tied in with coaches. And they report tonight, this is Monday, uh, January 4th, that Illinois has three defense coordinator can- candidates. And uh, I find this to be a very intriguing list. Um, not names that I think not your boy, Ryan. Chris Ash isn't on this list. Uh, and I, I think, haven't seen him on many lists. I think everyone's on the Texas fan list. That's about <laughs> it so far. And I think everyone has their hopes up for a name they know. But let's be honest. The average Illini football fan, I don't know how many defensive coordinator candidates they would actually know. Uh, but as you dive into these, and that's what we'll do on this podcast, um, these are some pretty good candidates, in my opinion. So here's the names. Wofford head coach Josh Conklin. Oklahoma State defense coordinator Jim Knowles and Missouri defensive coordinator Ryan Walters. My first reaction, Ryan, was that's not a bad pool. You got two current Power 5 coordinators and one sitting Division One head coach. And I know when we were talking about offensive coordinator candidates, some Illini fans kept asking me, well, if you gave Sean Lewis $1.2 million, that's four times what he gets paid at Kent State. Can't you get him? Probably not because he's on the track of making ridiculous money in, in just a year or two as a, in a Power 5 coach. But uh, for an FCS head coach, that's a huge bump in pay. It's probably not you know falling down on the coaching ladder. It's probably actually maybe a step up if you do well at uh, Illinois under Brett Bielema. Um, so my first reaction is this is a pretty strong pool. How about you? I thought so too. I mean, obviously when we were looking at initial candidates, you start with the guys that they've crossed over with before. So that's why a guy like a Chris Ash or a Charlie Partridge would make sense. It's, Hey, they've worked together for more than just one year. They weren't just ships in the night. They've, they've spent several years together, but you know, as the offensive coordinator hire proved, he's willing to go outside the box to, to get a guy that he knows in the profession, but maybe not has, or maybe has not worked with in the past. And it seems like that's kind of where he's headed here too. There are some loose connections here and there on a couple of these guys, but for the most part, it's, it's outside the box coordinators that are uh, really making names for themselves or uh, in one case, a pretty established uh, defensive coordinator, all of which are, are really good options. Yeah. Uh, I think this is a group, Ryan, that has a lot of, you know, there's a lot of differences between these guys, right? Ryan Walters is 34 years old. He's at Missouri right now, right? He's on a lot of these 40 under 40 lists when it comes to college football. I know uh, 24-7 Sports even had him on a list of, of guys under 40 who could be a next head coach, right? Um, then you have Conklin, who's been a, a DC at, at uh, the FBS level, at the Power 5 level at Pitt. And then you have Jim Knowles, who's been defense coordinator basically for the last decade at Power 5 schools, is, is in his 50s, is an established guy. Um, so I, I, I do find it interesting. Let's say on that first that Bielma's kind of uh, looking outside his realm. And, and I know he knew Tony Peterson. I know Bart Miller has coached for him before. Uh, but all these three candidates, none 
have coached for him before. Now, maybe there's somebody else that he's going to hire, and Football Scoop doesn't have the name. But, um, I mean, Football Scoop's pretty good at what it does. It, that is interesting that he would go kind of outside his realm of what we think. Because I, I thought Charlie Partridge made a lot of sense. I, I thought Chris Ash would be really tough to get. Uh, but a lot of the names you had on your DC list, a lot of the names I had on my OC list, and, you know, if, if it is Peterson and whoever one of these three candidates, we didn't get any of them because they didn't have ties, uh, uh, at least coaching with Bielema. Yeah, I mean, most of the times were secondhand. They were, you know, just having crossed paths uh, just in the process of coaching at different locations. And so, but, you know, kudos to him. Obviously, he he knows what he's looking for and he has something that he's going to specifically want here. Um, You know, that being said, I kind of, you look at all three of these guys, there's there's pros and cons to each, but there's really not any, wow, this one thing is a, is a glaring wart on his resume. They're all three really, really good, and they all bring different things. And honestly, I think that's what's going to make this decision really interesting is going to be which direction does he go. Does he go for the the more established kind of older guy in Knowles that's more well-traveled and has a deeper resume, or does he go with the guy that has shown some flashes and you know is cutting his teeth now as a head coach at a lower level? in Conklin or does he go with the hot up and comer uh, and a guy like Ryan Walters, who, you know, by a lot of accounts was in the running for the Colorado head coaching position last cycle. So there's a, there's a lot of, you know, there's a lot to like about this list. And, you know, as you said there, you know, there's a possibility that there may be a dark horse candidate. That's always a possibility, especially with, you know, more staffs having changes now. I mean, there's more guys available now than there were three or four days ago, just based on the carousel really starting to turn. But the fact that these guys were all reported as having interviewed at least kind of shows you the, the palette that he's looking for uh, as far as a type of coach. So, I mean, it's interesting to me to see which way he goes with this, because I think it's going to say a lot about, what he's really looking for. And, you know, does he, does he stick with kind of the status quo like he did on the offensive side with a more seasoned guy that's maybe not flashy, but, but knows football Uh, or does he flip the kind of flip the script on the defensive side of the ball, knowing that he's got a good defensive background and can be there to support somebody who's younger, um, but has still shown a lot of promise early on. Yeah, I think if you read into some of the comments he made, he's going to have his hands more on the defense. So maybe that does allow him to go with a younger guy uh, like Walters. Not that Walters doesn't have play calling experience or DC experience, I guess. Um, Conklin's obviously got way more um, experience, I think, actually calling the plays. Because the one question about Walters is he was under Barry Odom. And uh, when he had success uh, under Barry Odom, Barry Odom's the guy calling the plays, right? Um Jim Knowles, I think for most people, Walters is probably the guy they want. If I had to read Illini fans, just because you'd steal him from Missouri, right? You steal him from Missouri. He's a young up-and-comer, could be a future head coach. He's probably the sexiest hire here. I think Conklin's kind of the in-between. He's an FCS head coach, young guy. We'll, we'll dive into these guys a little bit more. I think Knowles would probably be last for a lot of people because you see a picture of him, and he's the older coordinator, Ryan, that might seem boring uh, doesn't recruit, and I think Illini fans are, are starting to lean towards recruiter. Uh, for defense coordinator, I, I want the best coach. I, I, for me, offensive line coach, the coordinators, I want the coach. And, and defensive line coach, I would say the same thing. The rest, fill it with recruiters. That's the most important thing is, is getting the players. Um, but Jim Knowles, I, I just read a feature on him. He loves rap. 
He's 55 years old, <laughs> from Philly, loves rap. I guess he's like a great, fun personality with these players, connects with these young guys. And you can't argue with the production he's had. And, you know, Oklahoma State, we think of as this offensive school, right? With, with Gundy, all the offensive coordinators he's had with, with Todd Monken and go down the list and all the points they put up in the Big 12. What, he's, what he did this past year um, would give me a lot of faith as an Illini fan with a guy who's not going to inherit a lot of talent and a lot, not a lot of depth that maybe he could turn this thing around in a couple years. Because Oklahoma State, when the first year he took over, 112th in total defense, 97th in scoring defense. This year, Oklahoma State uh, was number 35 in scoring defense and 45 in total defense. That's elite for, for Oklahoma State in the Big 12. They were number one in the country in third down defense as well. So um, the more I've read about him, because I think if I would have ranked these guys when I just first saw their names and did a little bit of history on them, Jim Nolas probably would have been third for me. But I, I, I think they're all like, I, I think I'd be happy with most of these. And, and Jim Knowles was great at Duke under David Cutcliffe. And we know how good those offenses were. Um, you know, so I, I, I think he's a really good candidate. If they can, if only can steal another coach from Oklahoma state, I think this is a, a pretty good one to steal. When you were talking about Missouri, I was like, wait, they have a chance to steal another coach from Oklahoma state potentially. <laughs> uh, the thing, and the thing is too, like, I know Bielema said, that he would likely be more hands-on with the defense. And I, I think he will be if he has to be. But with a guy like Knowles, maybe he doesn't have to be quite as much. I'm sure he'll have his influence and he'll want to have, you know, input into what what's done overall from just a you know an overall philosophy standpoint. But if you get a guy like Knowles, I mean, he's been at it 30 plus years. You don't really have to tell him what to do. You don't have to correct him that much. You're bringing him in because he has that experience. Um, the other thing that on Knowles' resume that really kind of stood out to me is he's worked at a lot of high academic schools. Yes. And so, you know, there's been this whole debate for years now about admission standards in Illinois and how it precludes, you know, them from, from getting some certain guys in and, you know, whether that's a legitimate excuse or not, it's a conversation for a different day, but Stanford fine. I had, Northwestern's fine. Right. Like, oh yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, and, but you look at, I, I look specifically, I mean, Cornell, like he did great work at Cornell, but you look specifically at his time at Duke. And I, I think it's a little interesting to see how their defense has fallen off after he left. Yeah. It's, I mean, what he built there was, was really good. And, you know, the fact that he's been able to to turn around Oklahoma State in fairly short order now. I mean, how sustainable is it going to be? You know, he's had two years there. I'd like to right. see maybe another year just for proof. But, I mean, I, he's got enough experience in the past. I don't know. That, I mean, that's just picking really, really yeah. minute things at this point. And one other note I would say is he was a recruiting coordinator too. So for people who think the the 55 year old can't recruit, like he does have that in his background where that was like a big part of his job, both at Cornell and Ole Miss. I wonder uh, if he's like as proud of Cornell as Andy Bernard, like if he's as into that. (laughs) Was he, he probably wasn't in an acapella group, but he might've, he might've been in some freestyle competitions back in the day. By the I way, need, I need to know. I need to know if he's a big Roots fan. If, if he's a Roots fan, then he's he's my choice. I, I'm a huge fan of the Roots, have been for years. And if if Jim Knowles is a Roots guy, that that might just vault into the top of my list out of these three. By the way, I do have to admit this, since it is Illini Inquirer after dark. Uh, I am drinking a Kilo Kai and and Coke Zero. Um, so, Brian, if you got a beer next to you. 
<laughs> I didn't know we were permitted to yes, drink cocktails. You, today. you are permitted. This is not radio. Like I could just put. We start ex- doing a line of inquire happy hour from now on. I could just put explicit on, on this, and I don't have to worry about. it. That's a great thing about not working radio anymore. <laughs> um, all right, Josh Conklin, forty years old, third year as a head coach at Wofford. He's seventeen and nine overall, thirteen and three in the SoCon. Made the uh, FCS playoffs two straight years. Um, they ranked eighth among 124 FCS teams in scoring defense and 12th in total defense in 2018. And in 2019, they were still top 25 in both those categories. Um, The connection here with Illinois, by the way, is he was the D.C. at Florida International in 2013 and 14 when Ron Turner was head coach. And Ron Turner, of course, was Josh Whitman's uh, head coach when he was at Illinois. Uh, And he was great there. His uh, last year especially – they were number one in the country in fumble recoveries, uh, defensive touchdowns. They were second, fourth in turnovers gained, eighth in turnover margin, and uh, 35th in total defense. And that pit, 111 sacks in three years there. They were sixth in the country one of those years. That sounds like an aggressive defense. That, to me, sounds like a Brett Beal in the defense. Um, and, and this guy who's been a head coach, been a defense coordinator, been successful uh, under what that would have been. Was that Christ at Pitt? Um, or was that Narduzzi? Yeah, Chris, I, either Chris way, Chris was a pit. I think what twenty thirteen through was it twenty fifteen? Yeah. I think I, I might, it might. It might be left for Arkansas twenty sixteen. Yeah, this was under Pat Narduzzi, who I love. I, I, I thought Illinois should have hired him after um, Zook, and uh, he's had a really good run at Pitt. So under Narduzzi, obviously came from the Michigan State coaching tree, and they run that aggressive defense. So uh, I think this is a really good candidate. I mean, if, to, to steal a head coach, and I know Conklin's not making nearly as much money as he'd make as a D.C. at Illinois. Um, I like this. I, I think this is a really good fit. A guy who's uh, recruited, I believe, Pennsylvania, Florida, um, it has connection, obviously, to Whitman with Turner there. Uh, that's a really good candidate, in my opinion. Yeah, and he's he's originally a Mountain State guy, which I find kind of fascinating. Um, you know, you get it's it's interesting some of the guys that have come out of that region. I mean, the Petrino family, both both Paul and uh, uh, Bobby, are I think Montana natives. So it's kind of interesting some of the coaches that come out of that that area. Um, but I think Conklin's kind of the of these three candidates, he's kind of like the middle of that Venn diagram. Yeah, He's uh, kind of best of both worlds. Like he's been a coordinator at the FBS level before he's moved up to try and, you know, cut his teeth as a, as a head coach. But like you said, the salary at that level, maybe it, it you know, I, I think easily you could be competitive, if not more than that with that salary there and convince him, you know, if he sees a path forward, I think, back to another head coaching position. I think that's probably the the tough sell there is, you know, does he think this is going to lead him back to a more uh, appealing head coaching position down the road? So, you know, if he's leaving a head coaching position to take over as the defensive coordinator again, after having already previously been an FBS coordinator, you know, what's, what's the path forward there? Because I don't think that he wants to be a career defensive coordinator, uh, even if he would be a really good one. Yeah. Uh, whereas a guy like Knowles might be completely content at this point, just being a really good defensive coordinator. Um, so, I mean, how long do you have Conklin? I don't know, but I mean, if he's doing well enough to get hired somewhere and then obviously it worked out. 
All right, let's go to the last one. Ryan Walters, 34-year-old defense coordinator at Missouri. He's spent the last six years there as a defensive assistant, five under Barry Odom, one under Elijah Drinkwitz, um, six years as a safety slash defensive backs coach, two as co-defense coordinator, three as defensive coordinator. Um, he had a lot of success with, with Odom. And um, that that's that's maybe the, the concern there is, you know, Barry Odom's one of the best defensive coaches in the country. Uh, head coach, eh, he was okay at, at Missouri, right? Uh, but he, he's having a lot of success again as a defense coordinator. And uh, in, in Odom's last year, Missouri was 16th in scoring defense, 14th in total defense. The year before, number 50 in scoring defense. Ran a four-man front, a lot of 4-2-5, uh, which obviously a lot of people are doing now. Uh, but this past year under Drinkwitz went to more of a 3-4. They were 85th in scoring defense, 66th in total defense. Um, is a young up-and-comer, as you mentioned. He's former Colorado player. was a Colorado head coaching candidate last cycle. Um, and uh, he's, he's a heck of a player. And, and I'm told he's an okay recruiter and, and probably good recruiter for Illinois standards, I would think, and and has recruited St. Louis. He's from California, which I, I wouldn't spend a lot of time recruiting there if I were Illinois based on recent history. Uh, but up-and-comer, this is one where, you know, I don't know how much he's actually called a defense. And, and that that's my concern uh, would be with this one. But you do have Brett Bielema, who said he wants to call more of the defense, put his hands on the defense. So I'd still feel comfortable uh, with a hire like this. Yeah, and I mean, like you said, this is this is one where it's a – it's a tough discernment to make as his, you know, his training wheels basically came off as the head coach transitioned out to another job. So, you know, Barry Odom moves on to Arkansas just as Drinkwitz comes in. And that's kind of when that drop-off happens. It's like, was that related to Odom not being there anymore? Or was that something that had to do with the shift in the defense? Was it something that had to do with Walters uh, play calling as opposed to previous years? hard to tell and I, I think that's one where you really have to do your research you have to do your homework maybe ask around kind of find out because right. you know I have a hunch it's possible that Drinkwitz wanted to maybe go with a different style I haven't looked back too much to see at what Drinkwitz did at App State uh, when he was there to see kind of what system he ran but yeah what I heard I about that went, what, what I heard about that right sorry Ryan to interrupt you um is obviously he was kept there, right? He was a holdover from the previous staff um, because Barry Odom wasn't a head coach anywhere, so he didn't bring Ryan Walters with him. And I think for Drinkwitz, he's like, okay, this guy had success. He's good. Uh, can I get anybody better? Probably not. So they stayed on staff for a year. Um, but a lot of times they, they move on the next year, right? Like that could be the case with Illinois and a couple of assistants they have now where it might be the smart thing to keep those guys on for a year, see how it works, and then you move on and see if they can get another job elsewhere. Um, so I don't know if Missouri and Drinkwitz would be like up in arms if they lost him, right? Um, because it's not his guy. Uh, but Walters, you know, could be a wanted guy. I mean, he's he's got a good resume. Uh, I don't know if he had a better offer last year. Um, but it, it seems like this wouldn't be like the end of the world for Missouri, but I still think it could be a good hire for Illinois. Well, the other thing too is even if it doesn't work out for Missouri and let's say the defense struggles again for whatever reason, and there were a number of reasons, I think, aside from just scheme, that they had some issues on the defensive side of the ball this year. But, you know, even if it doesn't work out this year, you know, with him being a guy from a previous staff, 
it's easy to cut ties. Yes. He'd be the first one to go for for one reason or another. You can, you can justify it and say, well, he was with the previous staff. We're just going to make a change, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, You know, again, I, I wonder how much of his own stuff he's able to really install right now and whether their personnel limitations this year affected that. Um, but again, that's kind of, like I said, you, you really got to do your homework, ask around, evaluate, you know, what, what the circumstances were, ask about him, you know, the holistic you know, picture of his career, like, you know, from dating back to 2015, 16, whenever he got to Missouri and worked under Odom all those years. And you know, that Bielema knows Odom. So I'm sure those guys have talked about Ryan and that's probably the reason that he got the interview too, is I'm, I'm sure that Bielema asked and vetted him through Odom to say, Hey, is this a guy that you, you would definitely put in charge of your defense in this situation? So, you know, he's the guy, he's probably the biggest risk, but I think he could potentially have the most upside if it works out. So are you saying Odom because he's the Arkansas DC now like that? That's why they would have the connection. Well, no, it's because he would have been playing against uh, when uh, Bielema was at Arkansas. Yeah. He would have been playing against Odom You're at right. Missouri. You're right. Yeah, no, that's a, that's a good connection. I didn't even think about that. So, yeah, I mean, and for Walters, you know, you don't want to be the guy who could be on the chopping block next year, right, at, at Missouri, which he, he could be if they struggled defensively. While at Illinois, based on Tony Peterson's contract, I, I hear it's three years, right? So, like, you get a three-year contract with, with guaranteed money. Uh, that, that's a good – it might seem like a lateral or even a step-down job to a lot of people from the outside because uh, Missouri's been more successful than Illinois. Uh, but for him, long-term, uh, it, it would make a lot of sense. All right, let's get a few more thoughts on this, Ryan, and we'll also hit on an interesting addition to the transfer portal that Illinois should be very interested in. That's next. All right, Ryan, when we look at this, Brett Bielema is taking his time. Like, I, I just saw Jed Fish already finished his staff, I believe, at Arizona. And I, one quote stuck out to me about um, Brett when I was asking him about the salary pool and all that the, the couple days after he was hired. And he said, you know, sometimes it's good just to sit in the weeds and wait and see what comes out of it. Right. Like, so he didn't, he didn't seem to rush this and I'm sure he missed on some guys that he wanted. Right. That's going to happen. He shoot high with a $5 million salary pool, but he hasn't rushed this process. And I don't think that's a bad thing because you know, you got good candidates and, and these DC candidates are good candidates. Peterson's a, a fine candidate, qualified candidate. Bart Miller's a good qualified candidate. Um, so I, I, I kind of like that he hasn't rushed it, but I'm, I know we're all eager to see what the final product is, but I expect we're going to get it probably mostly in the next week, week and a half. Yeah. He's not, he's not in any hurry to go out and blow the stimulus check, huh? No, he, uh, I, I, I think it makes sense. One, because there are, there are some schools that are making staff changes as well. Illinois just happened to be one of the first to make a head coaching staff change. So as there are more of these, there are some guys that become available on the market and, you, know, you go Maybe too Michigan soon, adds you... to that. Maybe Michigan adds to that soon, right? If yeah, that's that's a big domino if that one goes. Uh, I mean, Texas could have very well been a big one, and that's the thing is, if you rush into filling these spots too soon, if you you know if you announce a guy as a certain position and then a guy that you may have had a bigger preference for becomes available because the head coach gets fired, your guy you Ash. can't be like. I mean, maybe he's yeah. talked. Maybe he's talked to Ash in the last couple of days. Just say hey. I got a million dollars. You want to come yeah. come back and bring the You're band like, back yeah. together? Yeah, it's like who are you hearing from? Are they going to keep you at Texas? If not, 
you would you want to come up? I mean, it's it's stuff like that. And it's if you've already announced a coach for a certain position, you can't be like, oh, I've got my running. Here's our running backs coach, and then three days later, say like Stan Drayton becomes available. You can't be like, well, on second thought, now that Stan's here, you can't do that. It's just not good business. That's you know that kind of hurts your reputation as a coach. You want to be fair to the guys, and so you know that's why I think the patient approach makes sense. Um, you know, I, I don't think you wait too long though, because even though the, the portal is probably going to be their biggest source of landed guys, they need to get the recruiting class figured out quick. They're probably, you know, there's a chance they could add a couple more prep 2021 prospects. That signing day is coming up here in what about four weeks. Um, but I mean, the sooner you have a staff in place at, uh, and you know, you want to get yeah. the right staff, but the sooner you have that staff in place, you can start attacking the portal, getting your roster filled out, um, and collectively trying to get the rest of that built. Yeah, I mean, the NFL coaching carousel is going, right? And the college coaching carousel, barring Michigan, is is pretty done, right? I, I would imagine. Now, maybe we have a Rich Rodriguez situation and something happens like that, but... Um, you know, the NFL coaching carousel, you got a lot of candidates out there, but I, I do like that Brett. I mean, these are, these are college coaches, right? These are college coaches with long resumes, qualified resumes. If I'm an Illini fan, I like that, uh, for, for a college program after what we saw with Lovey Smith early on in his tenure. Um, and, and they're getting guys from, you know, some power five levels, the FBS level that that's really encouraging, uh, to see, but, uh, another hire they have is Mark Tarasani. Uh, from Michigan. He's, he poaches a, a staffer from Jim Harbaugh and uh, he's chief of staff. What, what a nice, what a nice name they, they made up for Mark Tarasani, but he was the director of football operations for 12 years for Brett Bielema at Wisconsin uh, and also at Arkansas. So all 12 years that Brett Bielema has been a head coach, Mark Tarasani has been his director of football operations. And I get asked every time, what does that entail? Basically all the boring stuff. All the logistics it takes to run a football team, setting up practice schedules, um, you know, pulling off practices like who needs to be where uh, to make sure this happens, food, travel, um, all those little different things that, you know, Brett Bielema doesn't set that up, right? He's got a guy who does that. Well, Illinois now has two guys because they're also keeping Tim Knox on staff, which I know everybody is very happy about. He's one of the best in the business. And Mark is going to be the chief of staff, which is basically the hand of the king for, for Brett Bioma. Um, but you're going to have two guys in that role. And I think that that shows this football staff and this football program are real now. Like you're spending that kind of money to create these positions. Um, but Batarasani's one of the best in the business as well. And, and obviously Brett Bioma trusts him a lot. So that that's a good good hire. I, I know it's not a sexy hire and, and he's not on the field coaching. He's not recruiting, but you got two guys um, that are as good as it gets when it comes to just running the logistics of a program, which we don't think about a lot unless something goes wrong. Uh, and these guys, nothing should go wrong under their watch. Well, and that's, that's the thing is these are the guys that if they do you know, what they're, they're asked to do and if they do a good job at it, it's less that the head coach has to worry about. It's less that the head coach has to be distracted by or spend time managing and it allows them to focus on developing the program, doing game planning, all that, the more important stuff that they're paid to do. You know, if a coach is wasting his time doing logistics type stuff, then you're not getting the, what you should be getting out of them. Well, I can think about this with like recruiting coordinator, right? It used to be an assistant, 
right? I always had to be the recruiting coordinator as well. Now Illinois should be able to have five people take on that role. Like you have director of player personnel, you have a director of recruiting. Some people have a general manager now in, in, in college athletics. Um, so when you get these expanded staffs, and I think Whitman said a $2 million salary for support staff, um, Beal was putting in a Tarasani and a Tim Knox. And I imagine the recruiting department might even expand. Um, so th- that's big time football. It's where all those little things, like you want coaches, coaching players and recruiting players. That's what you want them to do, right? Like you don't have to have to worry about, hey, you know, putting the spreadsheet together for what the scholarship sheet looks like. You should be able to call your recruiting guy and say, okay, how many spots we got available? All right, thanks. Like that's all the time you got to put into it. Yeah, no, I mean it's more time focusing your highest pay guys on what they're being asked to do, and that's coach. You know, develop develop players, coach, game plan, all that. Um, you know, it's being run more like a company now. Um, and, you know, a lot of NFL teams have a ton of support staff. And, you know, I, th- I think if nothing else, the money that's being invested into this shows that Illinois is committed to, to developing a quality football program as a whole and not just paying about 10 coaches a lot more than they have in the past. What did you think of uh, Tank Wright outside of the name? All name team for a strength and conditioning coach. But I know people love Lou Hernandez. I love talking to Lou Hernandez. Um, obviously, there, there's a connection here at Illinois. But, uh, you know, Ben Herbert was the guy everyone thought, you know, they, they could go snag from Michigan. But Jim Harbaugh might stay there. Maybe Harbaugh takes him to the NFL if he goes to the NFL. But he gets the right-hand man of, of Ben Herbert, um, who's Tank Wright, who is under Bielema at Arkansas, Couple of years at Michigan under Harbaugh and Herbert, and then last year at Army as a defensive line coach. What did you think there, Ryan? Well, if you can't if you can't get Herbert, get the next best thing, right? The thing is that it's a guy that's that knows Herbert, has been around Herbert for years, so he knows the way that Herbert's run things. He's been there basically soaking it all in for years, um, and Herbert's the guy that's been with Bielmo the whole time, dating all the way back to Wisconsin, two thousand six. So, you know, as I, I posted this on the board, but I think the biggest thing to remember here is there has to be alignment between what the head coach wants in the SNC program and what the SNC coach uh, brings to the table. So there, there's got to be a, a common and united philosophy on that front as far as how you're going to develop the guys, what, you know, strength to speed to explosiveness sort of balance you're looking for, you know, structuring workouts for injury prevention and injury minimization. Which was an issue the last couple of years, right? You never know what to put that on the strength and conditioning coach. And, you know, I'm more concerned with the non-contact injuries. And we saw a lot of those in 14 and 15, right? And that was a big concern. I think a lot of these guys got hurt in games, which is, you know, usually contact stuff. So I don't know how much to put on that, but that's a huge part of their job. And I will say this about strength and conditioning coach. Jerry Kill told me a decade ago, it's the most important hire you can make because that guy spends more time with the players than anybody. Yeah. And it's, it's also one of the coaches that I I think I've always heard it, that the first hire is usually the strength and conditioning guy. I mean, whether that happened in this order here, I don't know. Um, You know, maybe, maybe Bielema reached out to Herbert and Herbert said, no, I'm okay. But you know, I think tanks ready. And you know, he would know he would, cause he yeah. would know what Bielema wants. And if he thinks that tanks ready, then tanks ready. Um, 
but yeah, it, it is an extremely important because you are physically preparing those guys to play a very, very demanding sport. And so you have to know what that head coach wants and you have to know how to implement that. And you, like you said, you spend more time with those athletes than any of the coaches do. And so you are providing, uh, you know, one of the most significant portions of their development that they have as, as a person and a player. You know, it's, it's not just the physical development, but there's a lot of mental development that goes on too in that strength and conditioning program. The transfer portal is getting crazy, Ryan. Um, it's, uh, would the kids say it's lit in there? I don't, I don't know if that's the word. That they use, <laughs> but, um, I, uh, I earlier, I, I tweeted that it's trying to keep track of all the influx into the, into the transfer portal. Now is like trying to drink from a fire hose. <laughs> it is. Uh, Cause I think we're going to have a lot of probing the portal uh, features here. I already got one going and every, every day it's like gets outdated. Like if you put it out the next day, it's outdated. Um, let's talk about one of the guys that's already in the portal. Mookie Cooper. That's the guy, you know, every linebacker I see, as I tweeted out, like, I'm like a meerkat. I'm like, oh, Illinois needs like five of those guys. Like, so my head pokes up and I'm like, ooh, that linebacker. Um, so they need to add like three linebackers uh, through the transfer portal. But Mookie Cooper, he's exactly what they need. He's exactly what they needed two years ago. Um, he was exactly what they needed to sign last year. He would have started probably for Illinois last year. But just a speed playmaker who you get the ball in his hands and he just makes things happen. And I watched so many Trinity games in person. He was the best prospect. Um, me and my brother went down. My brother went down with me one time because he wanted to see all these Trinity guys. And uh, he, I go watch five, watch five. Cause he gets the ball and there's just a different level of speed that Illinois hasn't had, a, had in a long time in their offense. Um, from what I hear, Illinois could be a player there, especially if Corey Patterson is kept. And I think Corey and Mike have a decent chance. I think we'll learn that probably in the next day or two, uh, from what I understand. But, um, you know, Corey could, could help that, but, uh, I don't think it's a slam dunk even if Corey is here. Cause Mookie's going to have interest from everybody, but man, that would work out so well. And, and Tony Peterson would love that because it's just a game changer on offense. And, you know, when he went to Ohio State, it's like, hey, he can play there eventually, but it's going to be really hard to get playing time early in your career. And it's going to be hard to get playing time anytime in your career at Ohio State. So uh, I'd love it. I, I don't know if it'll happen, but I, I think it'd be exactly what Illinois needs immediately, Ryan, because this wide receiver crew um, is is not very good. Let's just be honest. Um, you know, Bebe is gone. You know, Daniel Barker will find out what he does coming up. Trayvon Sidney, we know, uh, has, hasn't made a huge impact. And uh, Brandon Peters or Isaiah Williams, whoever it is, they, they need some weapons. And, and there's just not a lot of proven weapons. Even if Casey Washington can be solid, I think Hightower can be good. There's just not a lot of, you know, they haven't developed and, and recruited a lot of difference makers there. Well, and just over the last several years, they don't have a guy that's been able to take the top off of a defense. They just, they haven't had that. I mean, the last guy that probably could really do that consistently was Mike Dudek mm -hmm. and he fought injury for several years. And so they went years without that. And when, when you don't have to, as a defense, when you don't have to respect a guy's speed like that, it makes it easier on your safeties. They can play up closer to the line. And so I think that also had an impact on the offense as a whole. So you get a guy like him that can just absolutely rip the lid off the defense. Uh, that's a game changer. Um, the other thing too, is, I mean, keep in mind, he would have been a true, he was a true freshman at Ohio state this year. And this year didn't count mm -hmm. at least as far as eligibility goes. And he'd be eligible. Ohio, 
Yeah. Yeah. And don't, don't tell Ohio state this year didn't count, but <laughs> his year at Ohio state didn't count. So he'd have four years, potentially, I mean, four years of eligibility uh, wherever he goes next. Um, and so, uh, you know, that allows you as an offensive coordinator to build around that. If you've got a player that has that sort of dynamic, you can build around that. Right. Because and, you have guys who can move the chains, right? Like you have some guys that are big physical. You don't have, you don't have playmakers. You don't have guys who get separation. Like that, that's the biggest issue. Like Kyron Cumby maybe can do it, but he's five foot six. Like Mookie's five ten, 185, 190 pounds. Like, that's a guy that eventually at Ohio State would play or, or at a really good program would play and make a difference. Um, so I, I, he'd be great. I, I don't know. From what I hear, it could be tough to get him. But uh, another guy enter the portal, because I've heard some names. I, I, I'm not comfortable throwing out names that aren't in the portal yet, but there's some names that Illinois recruited and didn't land that, that could be big time if they enter the portal the next couple of weeks. But Houston Griffith was not a name I was considering because he played at Notre Dame, started a couple of games, and now he's in the portal. And boy, this makes a lot of sense, Ryan. Uh, I know Howard loves, I mean, he's on record, right? He loves to hire Brett Bielema. And Houston wants to play. He wants to play. And boy, just walk into a starting spot at Illinois, right? With Tony Adams, we don't know what he's doing yet. We know Nate Hobbs is gone. Uh, so you got Devin Witherspoon. I mean, Sidney Brown has been a starter, but he hasn't had a good year, right? So. Houston Griffith, if you started at Notre Dame, he'd walk into a starting spot here, whether it's safety or corner. It, it's almost too – like there, there's just too many things that line up for this. It's, it's almost too too good. So it's not going to happen, right? Well, it's like, yeah, you you look at all the circumstances. You look at the fact that his dad is like one of, one of the most – you know, he, he has the touchdown record. He has, you know, did a ton of great things at Illinois – he only has it still Illinois. because uh, Lance Leipold did not get Patterson another <laughs> touchdown. <laughs> uh, but I mean, you look you look at it, it's just like okay, his dad's an alum, big time football player for Illinois in the past. Illinois recruited him heavily when he was coming out of high school. Got him on a visit. You know, he was a top prospect. It's like, what's the catch? What's the what's going to be the catch here? And there 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 really isn't one, at least on the surface. And you know, there's there's playing time to be had. That secondary, I, I don't, I can't think of a single person on that secondary who he wouldn't start over. Maybe Tony Adams, but they play different positions. I yeah, I mean, I, I, I just, like Devin Witherspoon. I, I really do. Yeah. Um, so but, but he wouldn't. I mean, I don't think he would bump him off the field. No, there'd be two other guys, right? I mean, the exactly. other two guys, he's he's definitely playing over. Yeah. So I mean, he could he could, and you don't want to just like hand a guy a position, but like. I look at that depth chart. There's no way that I'm thinking I can't get a starting role. Yeah. Makes a lot of sense. Uh, there's going to be a lot more of those guys. And you know, Illinois, from what I understand, has 16 of the 25 spots locked up. I would invest almost all of those in transfers. Maybe there's a high school guy or two that you like, but I want to win right away if, I, if I'm Brett Bielema. Yeah. And I, I would add, what, six or seven defensive transfers, mostly, you know, uh, linebacker, defensive back, maybe a defensive lineman, pass rusher. We'll see what Isaiah Gay does here, Roderick Perry. But, uh, you know, maybe you add a wide receiver too, but most of those I'm going to defense. And I'd be fine if they don't add another high school and just go nine transfers here. Yeah, I mean, there's there's one linebacker in high school that they may have on the radar, Trevin Wallace, yeah. kid's a stud. 
But other than that, I mean, if you if you don't think that a high school player is going to be better than what you're going to get in the transfer portal, this time of any is when you want to go hit the portal hard and get those guys. Because if you're Bielema, if you don't win in year one or two, you lose that momentum. You know, so I, I think that was, one of the, that was one of the missteps that, that Lovey made was that he didn't try to use what was already in place and just supplement it with the talent that he needed to win right away. Because at that point, you know, it's kind of like getting behind the sticks on first down and then you're second and 12, third and eight. And those third down conversions from a longer yardage are harder to convert. Whereas if you win in year one and year two, it's like having second and four, third and two. Jeff Brown. It's, it's a lot. Exactly. Now, Brahms had some struggles. Right. But but he recruited well off that, right? He got Rondale. Yeah. He got Carl Loftus. He got all Milton Wright, all those guys. Yeah. Yeah. You put yourself in a way better position if you win early uh, because you have more to sell on the recruiting trail and it ends up compounding on itself. Uh, would you think uh, one more, Ryan? Uh, we got a couple offers out here. Anything stand out so far? It's all connected uh, to Bielema. So it's Ben Bielema kind of being his own recruiting guy. Uh, I will be interested to see what, what they offer here coming up. Bart Miller, I know, is going to be very involved in state. I think he's going to do well. Uh, there's some really good offensive linemen in this next couple classes in state. Uh, but anything recruiting-wise, prep guys that, that stood out to you? Well, just looking at the couple of 2021 offers they made, um, you know, McCray, I think I think that's kind of your traditional big back, super back type guy. It might give an indication of kind of what they're looking at from a tight end H back type role or what sort of offensive weapons they might go with in the future. But I mean, even as just like a, a pound it between the tackles running back, I think McCray could be a good one. Um keep in mind they did offer Isaiah Taylor uh in the twenty twenty one class, defensive back. Um you know, I, I think he could be a, a solid FBS prospect. And then obviously his older or his younger brother uh, in 2022, uh, Mason, is a really good looking prospect too. So, um, you know, those seem like ones that come off of relationships. They're, you know, not extremely close relationships, but he's got good relationships with those guys. And it, it seems like he went to guys he knew mm-hmm. um, early on or maybe was reached out to about those guys but it's nice to have that right like yes <laughs> that, that didn't happen but it's nice to have a coach even after three years of being in the nfl that's got relationships and go hey you got a couple guys like who, who should i be interested in and you know you look at their film and isaiah taylor I, you know maybe borderline power five prospect but he's got power five offers i think he's a solid overall prospect and then mccray i think if you put him in the right role is a very very intriguing prospect especially like a super back you're talking about yeah, I mean, and kind of getting back to this, if you think about the programs that he recruited back in the day when he was either at Wisconsin or when he was at Arkansas, that's why you never burn bridges on the way out of town because you never know what can happen. And so, you know, if you always leave that door cracked open because if you go back there, you want to be received. And especially at a program like, I don't know, let's say St. Thomas Aquinas, which cranks out just about as much talent as anybody in the country. If you're received at a place like that, if you can at least get two, maybe three guys a year out of a program like that, just because you've got that relationship there and keep that talent flowing in, that's huge. Mm -hmm. That's huge. And so I I think if you balance that between maintaining those existing relationships you have from your previous stops, but also getting back in with the state, especially offensive linemen, 
Um, but I mean, some other positions too, but especially fundamentally offensive linemen, that's the cornerstone. Like, I think that's going to be the formula. Ryan Eastland, good stuff, man. Uh, Alana Inquirer after dark ends at 10 PM. Exactly. On the dot. <laughs> Appreciate you, man. Thanks, man. All right. Great stuff with Ryan Easterling. Hope you enjoyed that. Hopefully we'll get more news here on the DC as uh, football scoop reported could be uh, Tuesday. Uh, and I was told on Sunday that it could be early in the week as well. So we'll have you covered at IlanaInquirer.com for that. As always, subscribe to us, rate us, review us wherever you get your podcast. Everybody have a great day. Take care of each other. We'll talk to you next time right here on the Illini Inquirer podcast. <laughs>